gives it to Wall. Working against Bradley for three. John Wall! Oh, what a shot! Three balls, two strikes, the pitch. Swing and a long drag! Deep left field! Going! Going! Let's go back to pass, steps up, going deep. Caught ball! is leveled by Sean Taylor, and he's slow getting up. There's going to be a run back from 9 deep for Jacoby Jones, and look at him go! Jones is past the 50, and he is flying inside the 20, and a kickoff return, 109 yards and a touchdown, an all-time record. Holding inbounds to Nicholas. Four seconds, three seconds, he's across midcourt. Two seconds, one second, throws it up. And he got it! And the Terrapins win on the shot by Nicholas at the buzzer! Hayes win! Hayes win! Hayes win! Hayes win! Hayes win! Puck in front, Connolly with a chance, and they score! They score! The puck on a rebound for Lars Eller! And as the puck drops, the words that D.C. fans have been waiting to hear since 1974, the Washington Capitals are the 2018 Stanley Cup champions. Hey, what's going on, everyone, and welcome to the DMV Dispute, brought to you by DMV Sports Network. You can follow us on Twitter at DMV Dispute. I'm your host, Jeremy, and you can follow me on Twitter at JSquared021, and I'm joined today by my boys, Darren, and Gerard has returned like the prodigal son. Darren, Gerard, how's everything going with you all? Great, great. Glad to have, glad to have Gerard back. Yeah, what's up, y'all? Glad to be back. I'm good on this one, guys. Well, uh, before we move on, uh, Gerard, how was how was vacation, man? Uh, it was fantastic. Much needed. Nice, relaxing time. Uh, spent away on the high seas, beautiful uh, oceans. It was lovely. It was lovely. I loved it. Now, where where were some of the uh, ports that you went to? I was on a cruise. I went down to. Uh, Turks and Caicos, and then we uh, spent a couple of days in the Bahamas. So okay. it was really nice. It was really nice. Cool, cool, cool. Well, we did we, we did miss you here, DMV Dispute, but uh, we're glad you're, we are here. Uh, before we move on, uh, Gerard, where can they find you on Twitter? They can find me on Twitter at RoddyKG. That's at R-O-D-D-Y-K-G. And what about you, Darren? You can find me on Twitter at DBirdHoops. That's D. B-I-R-D hoops. Quick, quick, quick shout out to Elena Deladon who notched another player of the week hey. uh, award for, you know, so our MVP front runner, you know, she's doing work over the weekend, doing work over last week. So she's making things happening for, happen for our team and number one mystics back on top again. All right, and that's actually a great segue into a once, probably, you know, the first time we're going to do this. Don't know how often we're going to do this segment, but we're going to do a rapid-fire uh, Q&A with Gerard since he missed out on last week's episode. And uh, we're going to just go through quickly. I'll give you 20 seconds max to answer each question. Last week, we spoke about Elena Deladon's MVP hopes. She's obviously notched another WNBA Player of the Week award. Gerard, do you think she should be the front runner for the MVP? You got 20 seconds. She's definitely the front runner for the MVP. She is making incredible plays. She is the backbone of a contending team in the Washington Mystics. By all definitions of MVP, no matter what sport you're talking about, she is that. Definitely. All right, then we go to the Washington Redskins. Donald Penn was signed by the Washington Redskins. Was he signed for depth, or was he signed to eventually take over Trent Williams' spot when he gets traded? He was signed to be the starting left tackle for the Redskins going in. The chances of Trent Williams coming back are between 0 and 5%. There's very little chance he comes back. Eric Flowers is never going to be the left tackle for this team. He's brought in to compete for the left guard position, seeing him in May at left tackle get dominated by Montez Sweat and others. That showed them that he is not the answer at left tackle. Donald Penn is that answer. All right. And then the Washington Redskins depth chart. Uh, Dwayne Haskins. Third on the depth chart, second is Case Keenum, and number one is Colt McCoy on the 
first release depth chart by the Washington Redskins. Do you agree or disagree with that depth chart? I mean, it's what I expected when the depth chart, when I depth chart came out. I knew Colt McCoy is going to be the number one option if he was healthy. He's been here longer. He knows the system, and he's about talent-wise equal up with what you're going to find in Case Keenum. Case Keenum is a veteran, brought in to be the backup, compete for the starting job. Haskins is the rookie. And, you know, he's not Kyler Murray or anything like that. He is a legitimate competition, so he has to be on that depth chart number three and work his way up before the season begins. He might be number three going into Philadelphia, but if they make the decision to take one of the starter quarterbacks out, whether it be Keenum or McCoy, Haskins is the replacement no matter what. All right. I gave you a little more than 20 seconds, but that's all good. It's okay. it's all- <laughs> uh, Lamar Jackson, uh, head coach John Harbaugh said he's going to actually have more rushing attempts than he did last year, but Lamar Jackson said he's going to have less last year who do you believe Lamar Jackson or head coach John Harbaugh both of them I think I think Harbaugh is gonna actually do I think there will be more rushes because he'll play all 16 games but I think it will be less rushes per less rushing attempts per game for Lamar Jackson so there will be less rushes per game but all in all he'll will rush more because he'll play the full season instead of just seven games before the playoffs all right Nets they are in the wild card race in the National League. Should they just stay focused on the wild card, or should they actually shoot for the stars and try to catch up with the Atlanta Braves? They should be focused on the playoffs, no matter how that, no matter how they get there. Um, wild card might be the best option, but I feel like always shoot for number one. Always go for what you. If you're in position to do it, always go for the top seed, and then hopefully you land in the wild card as a result of it. All right, now this is the topic that I knew you're definitely going to be excited for. John Wall had an interview with The Athletic, and he had a few things that he mentioned uh, in that in that uh, interview with Michael Lee. First, he said he wants to be here with the Washington Wizards for his entire career. Do you think that is going to be the outcome for John Wall? Uh, he might want that. I just don't think it will happen. I think he'll be moved on one way or the other. Um, say something about him not want to be not want to ring chase. I don't believe that either. Uh, and then the part about him deserving the contract, he deserved it when he got it, but it's a bad contract and it's bad because he's hurt. So at this point, in 2019, he does not deserve it. But it's a, he deserved it when he got it. All right, all right, all right. Well, that is our rapid-fire session with Gerard Graham since he was not able to be with us last week. Uh, I know, Darren, how do you think what, – what do you think about what Gerard has said, all his different points that he has said? I agree with most of them except, obviously, you know, we're going to separate on the John Wall issue. Because I, you know, I'm still optimistic about his, about his ability to return, even if he's not, even if he's lost some of his bursts, some of his burst, some of his athleticism. I still believe that he can be a solid contributor, and I still definitely want to see a season of him and Bradley Beal paired together. And you know, they actually. And John Wall, I think, if I'm not mistaken, he actually came out with a quote over the weekend that said something to the same effect, where he still believes in in him and Bradley Beal together, and he wants to really see what they can do with both of them healthy on the team. But, I mean, it's all kind of, you know, what-ifs and who knows until we actually see what happens. Because, uh, you know, his, his projected timetable was 11 to 15 months, so... It, when when he comes back, there's either going to be there could be 44 games left in the season, there could be 30 games left in the season, or there could be four or five games left in the season if he returns this upcoming season. So you know we may not even see him on the court uh, this coming year. Uh, so we'll we'll just have to kind of see what happens. I mean, there's too many there's too many variables in play, especially given that we don't know what this Wizards team is even going to look like this season. So. Uh, I think that's the only one where we kind of would have diverged and butted heads last week, but I think for the most part, we're mostly on the same page. All right, all right. Um, 
As always, we are proud to do this podcast for one of the top sports websites in the Washington, D.C. metropolitan area, and that is DMVSportsNetwork.com. They can be followed on Twitter and Instagram at DMV underscore SN. They have some great daily content on the website of all things DMV Sports, whether it be professional, college, high school sports, and a lot more. So after you listen to this podcast, go ahead and check out dmvsportsnetwork.com. In addition, please be sure to subscribe to our show wherever podcasts are available, and that includes Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, SoundCloud, and a lot more. All right, let's now get on to our first official topic of this episode let's talk about the preseason openers for the Ravens and the Redskins let's start off with the Redskins first and I'll start with you Darren so let's start with the good the good things uh, I'm sorry so we're gonna do uh, yes let me introduce introduce this a little better we're gonna do the good <laughs> bad and the ugly shout out to our friends out at um Half Street High Heat. They do this every week when they when they talk about the Nationals. They have a segment called Good, Bad, and the Ugly. So we're going to adopt that segment for this episode. The good when it comes to the Redskins. Uh, the good, uh, Jimmy Moreland, our uh, you know cornerback. He was he was looking pretty good for the for the most part. Um. Oh my goodness! Uh, Dwayne Haskins looked fairly good for some of it. He had some nice passes. He's showing a little bit of his athleticism. You know, we're we're starting to see a little bit of why uh, we drafted him. Um, Case Keenum was, even though it was very limited minutes, I liked what I saw for him from him for the for the most part. Um, you know that that. Uh, what was it? A forty-six yard touchdown pass to Robert Davis early in the game. That was solid. He's he's looking pretty good. Um, yeah, I'm gonna be completely honest. There's not a whole lot of there's not a whole lot of good to talk about here. But you know, there there were some nice moments. Um, obviously, my eyes were mostly focused on Dwayne Haskins, but uh, he was kind of a mixed bag, which we'll talk about in a moment. But yeah. Um, some of what we saw from Dwayne Haskins and Case Keenum were kind of the standouts to me. Uh, yeah, that's that's kind of it as far as the good goes. All right, Gerard, what about you? What were some of the good things for the Washington Redskins preseason opener? The good, I would say Jimmy Moreland was a good one. Uh, he played really well, had, nice, had a few good plays. Uh, to linebacking core. Um, combination of Bostic, uh, Holcomb, Sean Dion Hamilton, Ryan Anderson. I like a lot. Um, Casanova McKenzie. Uh, the linebacker core that the linebackers that were out there, they played really well from what I could see. I, I liked a lot of what I saw, um, especially from our middle linebackers. Ryan Anderson looks like he put up um, some. Uh, size and he's a little bit more uh, quick on his feet, a little bit more decisive, which is good since he'll most likely be starting uh, outside backer opposite Ryan Carey in week one. So I like what I saw out of him. Um, another good for me, and this is like a comparative good, it's good compared to uh, what started the game. I liked what I saw out of Donald Penn and Wes Martin as far as a left tackle left guard combination. The Jaron Christian and Eric Flowers combination to start the game was awful. But I, I liked what I saw a little bit more out of the uh, Donald Penn and Wes Martin uh, left tackle and left guard combo to, uh, that came in in the second unit. Um, as far as that, you know, Trustway has some nice punts. It's uh, pretty much it for me. Uh, I'll, but uh, I would, that's all the good I, I saw this week one preseason game. All right, Gerard, we'll start with you again. What a, what was the bad when it comes the, to the Redskins? The bad uh, coaching. Uh, that's be that be the number one, and mainly it's the the coaching decisions made pregame. It's way too many starters didn't play. 
for my liking week one. I understand trying to avoid injuries. I understand there's certain guys you don't need to see play. I understand you don't need to see Ryan Kerrigan play. You know it's going to be out of Ryan Kerrigan. You don't need to see guys like Adrian AP play. You know it's going to be out of AP. You don't need to see those kind of guys play. But, um, you know, it, it would have been nice to get a, a, a series out of – the starting unit. It would have been nice to see Brandon Sheriff and Morgan Moses play at least one series. It would have been nice to see guys like uh, uh, not Ryan Kerrigan, but it would have been nice to see Landon Collins out there for a little bit. It would have been nice. It would have been nice to see Monte Nicholson play and just more than one. Like there are some. There are some guys on the team that aren't proven enough. There's there's only a handful of guys that are really proven on this team and one of them is holding out. So it's not as though that number is even, is even smaller of guys who need to come out and prove that they're ready to play. And I think that sending them out for the first preachers of game, like it's week four or something, is the wrong decision. You need to get these guys um, action that's not just in Ashburn and it's not just against, uh, no, not just in Richmond, I mean, and not just against uh, the other their teammates. So that's probably the, the big bad for me. Um, All right. Another, oh, yeah, I'm that's, sorry. You know, that's, it, that's it. There you go. You go. Everything else is just ugly. Oh, okay. Uh, what about you, Darren? What would you consider as bad when it comes to the Redskins preseason opener? Yeah, I I definitely agree with everything that Gerard just said. Um, I was going to leave the, the Gerard Christian and Eric Flowers for this part. That the Christian at left tackle and Flowers at left guard are not going to work. It's just they're they're getting too overpowered. Um, they were getting too overpowered by by Cleveland's starting defensive unit, and it's just it's not going to work. And also, I would have liked to see a few other guys play too. Like I get it, you know, a lot of teams were resting a whole bunch of guys, uh, but I would have liked to see a few more of our players get get starting reps. Um, I would have liked to see a, a bit more of a proper starting line. But, you know, the other thing is that uh, a lot of these guys that played, you know, will be at least, you know, they're going to be second unit. They're going to be second line guys. Some of them are fighting for roster spots, but some of them are going to be on the team. They're going to be, they're going to be getting reps in the game. So I didn't like what I saw them uh what I saw from this team and it's just a whole lot of I guess this kind of falls into the ugly so we'll get into it in a second but it's a, it's still a whole lot of questions about what this team really is and I agree with you with with the coaching decisions but I I lean more towards the coaching the actual in-game coaching this decisions you know as far as just you know plays that were called and um just uh, how guys were playing i just i didn't like a whole lot of it so i think we're really watching everybody try to figure out what this redskins team is supposed to be and this offensive line so far needs a lot of help like it's it's not ready to compete or be competitive at all the defense the defensive line is a little bit better but against this browns team it wasn't super impressive you know letting the browns um get up you know by that much and then just basically let them have their way with our team it, it wasn't it's not it wasn't a good sight so yeah there's a lot of concerns with this team based on you know the first preseason game all right and then we'll start with you darren what was the ugly <sighs> i hate to say it but you know Dwayne haskins he's He's up and down, and he's making just mental mistakes that I don't feel like he should be making. Um, I was, it was a real, it was a real mixed bag. Like I mentioned earlier, there's some good stuff that he did, you know, and his his numbers were were not bad. He was a uh, eight of fourteen, um, no touchdowns, but uh, two interceptions, which is not great and both of his interceptions were just you know they were they were mental mistakes they were you know they're on him you know he he un, he was under throwing and then he just sort of sort of read the options wrong and uh 
that's whew, it just really wasn't pretty to watch so uh i think it's pretty clear that at least from this performance i know it's just you know week one of preseason but from this performance you know it's pretty clear that he's not our starting quarterback just yet um but you know there there's a lot of sort of what i what i, what I like to call empty calories where you know he's he threw for 114 yards and, you know, he's showing his, his athleticism, but it doesn't really translate necessarily to production um, in terms of possibility of winning, you know, he's going to be, he's a guy that can put up numbers, but if it doesn't contribute to touchdowns and actually putting points on the board, then it's not really going to matter. So I wasn't crazy about that. And, you know, what else is again you know they have to figure out this whole left tackle situation and whatnot as far as if trent williams is going to continue to hold out which apparently the latest report that i that i just saw pop up off a of bleacher report is that the redskins have told multiple teams they're not going to be trading trent williams at least at this point so if they're not going to trade him and he's going to continue to hold out they need to figure out some sort of way to bolster that left tackle um, and just fill that void because so far the Browns were the Browns defense is pretty much having their way with with the Redskins offensive line and it just it was really difficult to watch you know I'm looking at this Redskins offense and I'm like well pff, here we go again you know it's going to be another season of disappointments and ugly play and just uh, it was it was hard to watch so yeah there's there's not a lot of reason for confidence based on what we've seen. Jump right in, yeah. Darren. I mean, Jerron, I know you got a lot to say. Go ahead. Yeah, so <laughs> ugly for me goes pretty long. The ugly, like I said, Dwayne Haskins, he had an uh, ugly start. I, I won't say bad, it just didn't look good. I mean, that's but those yeah. are the reasons why it's important for players that are new to the system that are, but are going to be integral to – what you guys do as a team moving forward this season for the future to get these reps in now. Rather than rather he throw two picks in his first snaps as a, in a preseason game than him come in in week five and throw two picks, uh, he needs to be able to see how it goes at a real NFL game speed and know what mis what throws to make, what throws not to make, and how to make those and how to make those throws. And so that's why I'm glad that he got it out now. This should be the floor for him. I don't want to see it stay here or get even worse. I want him to just continue to grow, progress from here on and continue to get better with each snap he takes. And he's had a lot of bright spots in that game that, you know, showed off his mobility, his uh, movement throughout the pocket, his arm strength, his accuracy when he wasn't throwing interceptions. It, he looked really well at certain spots, but a lot of the times were just really ugly mistakes that you're going to get from a lot of rookie quarterbacks. Uh, another thing that was ugly to me, the the run blocking from the running backs or from the running back group, period. Uh, I didn't like what I saw from Samaji P. Ryan at all. We've been hearing all, all season from Jay Gruden. Oh, P. Ryan has been dominant. Every time they ask about a guy who's showing out, it's P. Ryan this and P. Ryan that. And he is the, like, the same guy he has been since he stepped foot in, Fort, um, in D.C., just a strong guy, but doesn't seem to be able to translate that strength and power to the field in the right way. He can't. He doesn't understand his blocking assignments, and it's just he gets lit up every single time he's in pass block. And then when it's coming, when it's time for him to run the ball, it's just put my head down and hope I can run somebody over, and then lift my head up once I try to get to the second level. Um, so that was pretty ugly for me. Uh, I didn't like the lack of just awareness and the desire from the third and fourth string guys, the guys that are fighting to, you know, they probably won't make this roster, but they're fighting for a a um, practice squad assignment or they're fighting to be on a roster or be picked up by somebody else. When the preseason is over, you know, I didn't see the effort I wanted to see from guys that are in third and fourth units. And they had a lot of snaps because the first guy, unit guys didn't really play that much. Uh, 
I already mentioned uh, this earlier. You touched on it a little bit too, but uh, Jaron Christian and the uh, Eric Flowers combination just straight up disgusting. It was so bad, and it, it just couldn't it couldn't get any worse. It was either getting blown off the ball or getting called for holding or false starts. It was just really bad. Um, so yeah, that's my good, bad, and ugly for the Skins preseason uh, opener. All right. Well, to be honest. To save some time, and, and the Ravens, they won 29-0 against the Jaguars. So, honestly, I don't think there's going to be much bad or ugly that comes from that game when you win 29-0. So, let's just go to the good. Start with you, Gerard. What was something that you saw that was good that came out of the Ravens' preseason opener? Uh, the fact that they're, at least for their offensive side of the ball, at least their starters played a good amount of minutes. Um to start the game, they played enough snaps to get a feel, to get their fans excited. That's another aspect that we didn't really touch on before with the Redskins. You know, seeing your number, your starters go out there in the first touch outs of football, you've the uh, fan experiences since February for the Skins since December. Um, you know, it's exciting to be able to have your team go out there and look good. and It also sets the tone for what you want your other guys to do. You go out there, you're, you see Lamar Jackson, and you see them, you see him come in and move the ball downfield, and they put up points, and they look really good. You know, now your secondary units, your third units, has them to strive to say, hey, this is where we start off the game with. This is the energy we want to have. So now go out there and do it. You want to make this team, that's what you need to do to make this team. And you don't get that with having 95% of your starting offense and defense on the sideline to begin the game. And so that was very good. Um, I really like the energy that they had. I like the coaching decisions that they have uh, from Harbaugh and staff to from player personnel that they had in there for just decisions to t- test some things out in preseason, go forward on certain downs, or to do get try get a little bit experimental. You know, the Skins kind of called that game similar to what Jay would do in a Week Five game, and so. Um, I like what I saw out of Baltimore's offense, and the defense had a lot of energy themselves. The defense was very energetic. They lost a lot of key pieces, and they didn't start most of their starting defense themselves, but they came out and had a good energy. So it looked like a Ravens defense. They went through a lot of changes recently, but they looked like a Ravens defense that that you're used to seeing since they've been a team. All right, and what about you, Darren? What were some good things that you saw when it came to the to the Baltimore Ravens in Week One of the preseason? Yeah, I you know I really like this offense. You know, Miles Bo- Miles Boykin and Trace McSorley were kind of the 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 story of the of the night, re- really, with you know Lamar Jackson getting limited reps and whatnot. Um, but they're looking pretty good. And, you know, I pretty much echo what, what Gerard said, um, especially when you look at this offensive line, you know, they look really solid. Now, I want to keep it all in perspective because, you know, Jacksonville did mostly trot out, you know, second line guys. Most of their starters were were sitting and they didn't play. Um, so obviously that, that plays into a part when you've got, you know, guys that are most likely going to be on, the Ravens final roster playing against, you know, probably a bunch of guys on in Jacksonville who are fighting for roster spots or probably aren't going to, you know, make the final roster, etc. But um, you know, the offense looked really good. Trace McSorley was was solid, you know. He's I think he's easily won the backup job, uh, especially with RG three injured and, you know, not really definitely knowing when he's gonna come back. Um I, I liked what we saw. I liked what we saw, you know. Uh, obviously, Boykin wasn't perfect. You know, he had a couple of drops and whatnot, but he did make up for it. And, you know, he was the most targeted receiver for good reason. He was he was solid. So I was also really impressed by the defense, you know, holding holding Jacksonville scoreless. That's, that's, a, that's a pretty big deal. So, you know, it, it, these are things they can build on, especially when they go against the Packers, um, you know, in week two of the preseason, you know, especially that defense, if they can build on this and keep this whole thing rolling, uh, I think they could definitely be uh, 
a pretty dangerous team coming up this year. But, you know, I really liked what I saw on both sides of the ball, you know, completely different from, you know, what we saw with the Redskins that we just talked about. The Ravens were solid. You know, I, I love it. And most of what else I can say is pretty much echoing what, what Gerard just said about it. So, you know, Ravens were looking good. Ravens were looking really good in that first preseason game. All right. Well, let's be uh, quick about this next topic. Um, preseason two, preseason week two, excuse me, is upon us. We have, the Ravens will be going up against the Green Bay Packers. Let's start with them. And I'll start with you, Darren. Uh, what If you're a Baltimore Ravens fan, what are you looking forward to seeing in this preseason two game? Um, I'd say probably looking forward to seeing a little bit more of Lamar Jackson. Um, he was he was solid enough in the limited minutes that he got. Um, but I'm looking forward to seeing uh, a little bit uh, more of Lamar Jackson. Um, I want to see uh, a nice good start from the from the Ravens linebackers. Uh, just you know, see see what they can bring, especially against this this Packers team. Um, seeing we can get. Uh, seeing if they can continue to build on their successes from from week one, um, seeing if Miles Boykin can continue to be uh, pretty solid, especially against this Packers team. Uh, like I said, he was fairly impressive, so we should see uh, if he can really continue to deliver. Um, he really, really stood out. <clears throat> And I think just sort of building on all the things that they did right in the first preseason game. And finally, we just, I mentioned earlier, but I just want to see more of what, more of what Lamar Jackson can do and if he can really just, you know, deliver. And I want to see more of what his offense is going to look like. Because apparently he said earlier, um, either, either after the last game or over the weekend, he said that, you know, we still haven't really seen the Ravens offense, what it's going to look like for the next, uh, for this upcoming season. So, you know, I want to see if we get to see a little bit more of that, a little bit more of what he's going to really be relying on, you know, either the run game or, or his throwing, you know, he's supposedly gotten much thorough and he, much better at throwing and he's made he made a few nice passes uh in the first preseason game but i just want to see if he's going to continue to build on his play and you know show his improvement over the summer so that's what i'm going to be looking for what about you gerard what are you looking for if you are a baltimore Ravens fan what are you looking forward to seeing in preseason week two matchup against the packers um I want to see, well, two things. You talk about Lamar Jackson a lot. I want to see how McSorley does because with this Ravens offense, whether it's more running, less running, it's still going to be a lot of running for Lamar Jackson. So there's a lot of hits going to be taken. So with a game plan that's predicated so much on running the ball from a quarter position, your backup has to be a solid backup. And so I want to see how – you know the rookie can do. I want to. I would want to see him have more uh, command of the pocket, have more throws where it's in rhythm, and he's trusting his instinct. He can play the position. I just want to see him play the position a little bit better and to get continue to show that he's able to be that second, uh, that quarterback uh, number two. But secondly, I'm looking for the defense. I want to see a little bit more of the starters out here you're playing. If Aaron Rodgers plays a snap or a drive or a series, I want as many healthy starters as I can out there against Aaron Rodgers. I want to see how they do against the uh, offensive uh, weapon that's Aaron that's at the level of Aaron Rodgers, and I want to see how they respond. I want to see how the defensive coaches respond. I want to see how the leaders of your defense, as Earl Thomas and players like that, I want to see how they respond to that type of offense as well. Um, so that's what I want to see out of the – if I was a Ravens fan coming into week two. All right, and now let's go to the Washington Redskins. Week two will be at FedEx Field against – the Cincinnati Bengals, another AFC North opponent. Gerard, we'll start with you. What are you looking forward to seeing as a Washington Redskins fan? 
I want to see more of the starters that are going to be playing, or at least the guys going to be heavy rotation. So I want to see guys like – I want to see Darius guys get some touches. I want to see what my receiving core looks like. I didn't see enough out of the top five or six guys in your receiving core. I want to see more Trey Quinn. I want to see more uh, Cam Sands. I want to see more Trey uh, – Clarence. I want to see more, you know uh, – Harvey, I want to, that's who I want to see. You know, the receivers I played last week, they did they did well, but they're not really in a position to compete for one of the roster spots. I want to see the guys that are going to be out there who still need to prove that they can play, that they can play, not just get you know put into a position just because. I want to see guys like Norman get some uh, snaps. I want to see. Uh, Landon Collins, Monte Nicholson. I want to see a lot of minutes from guys like Monte Nicholson. I want to see minutes from guys like Brandon Sheriff and Morgan Moses. They're both coming off injuries, injuries last year. I want to see if they're back in uh, football shape. I want to see some minutes from Monte Sweat. I want like he's our other first round pick. He didn't play at all. I understand there's some injuries there, but if he's healthy, uh, you know, at least a series or two to see how he fits into the defense. There's so many guys I want to see. Um, Playing and Colt McCoy has to get in the rotation at some point too. I want you know ideally have first quarter be all Colt, second quarter be all uh, Case, and then Dwayne finish you know play most of the second half with uh, whoever they signed to be the fourth guy finishing up the last drive or two in the fourth quarter. But I want to see minutes from the people that had the most impact on this team and not be so afraid of injuries that you uh, you don't get your, your offense a chance to become cohesive or your team, for that matter, a chance to become cohesive. And that's how we get off to one and three, one and four starts because we have to use those games to do what should have been done in the preseason. What about you, Darren? What are you looking forward to in week two against the Cincinnati Bengals? Yeah, my my number one thing was honestly, I want to see more of the starters as well. I especially want to see Colt McCoy. He's still at the top of the depth chart as far as the the quarterbacks go, and I know that they're still holding him back for you know injury concerns and whatnot, which is always going to be a thing with the Redskins. So I'm not surprised, but you know I do want to see what he looks like, uh, especially if Jay Gruden is supposedly going to make a decision on who a starting QB is supposed to be. I think he's. I think it was said he wants to make that decision by Wednesday or Thursday or something like that. I don't know. But I, I want to see more of him. I want to see guys like Adrian Peterson uh, and Darius guys. I want to see what those guys are going to bring to the team. Um, so I'm going to be looking to see if the Redskins can start to figure out what this offensive line is supposed to be. I want to see it take shape. And the only way to really do that is to play some of these starters and figure out, you know, who's going to be playing together. Um, I definitely want to see more of Case Keenum. Uh, I personally think, and I said this last week, I personally think he should be above Colt McCoy um, in the depth chart. But I feel like if we never really see Colt McCoy play and we just really only see uh, Case Keenum and Dwayne Haskins get the primary uh, amount of reps, then, you know, if Gruden goes into the season with Colt McCoy starting without having really, you know, played much preseason um and then he just sort of flames out then you know i think that's going to be on gruden um as opposed to really getting him these reps uh in the preseason so i really really want to see colt mccoy um and so you know we've had time for other guys to shine like jimmy moreland was pretty solid he was sort of the talk of of the first game whatnot but yeah like you i really want to see what these starters are going to bring to the team and i want to see them really start to build that chemistry um on the field as opposed to just in training camp you know in ashburn or you know just playing against each other so we need to see them actually play against some nfl competition and that's what i'm mostly going to be looking for um in week two all right. Uh, before we move on real quick, I'm just going to ask you all this real quick question, and then you can answer quickly. There are rumors that defensive back Jimmy Smith from the Baltimore Ravens will be traded. Just a quick yes or no. I'll start with you, Darren. Do you think he will be traded this year? No, I don't think he'll be traded. All right. What about you, Jerron? 
yes. Okay. All right, all right. <laughs> Before we continue, it's time to tell you about DMV Sports Network's library of podcasts. Right now, we have nine active shows, including team shows for the Redskins, Capitals, Nationals, Wizards, and Ravens. There's Fantasy Fever, which deals with all things fantasy football, and a pair of mixed bag shows from It's About Time DC and Dom and Thunder. All these shows are available wherever podcasts can be found, so please check them out. And if you like any of the shows, make sure you subscribe and leave a review for us so we can grow in the charts. Let's now move on to our next topic when it comes to the Washington Nationals. (sighs) Over the weekend, they lost the series, three-game series to the New York Mets in New York. They did win yesterday, and they had a minor scare when it came to Juan Soto. It looked like, honestly, it looked like Juan Soto had ruptured his Achilles, but he was ruled, the injury was ruled as a, or diagnosed as a sprained ankle, so he's out for at least tonight's game against the Cincinnati Reds and maybe a couple more in the series. But um, the Washington Nationals did recently sign infielder as Drupal Cabrera. Um, do you think, and I'll start with you, Darren, do you think as Drupal Cabrera will be a help for the Nationals or just it is what it is at this point? I, I want to say he'll help. But you know, just when I when I look at it, I think it's just a signing, you know, to to cover to cover a need. You know, I think he'll be he should be a solid hitter. Um, I'm not. I, I yeah I I don't think it's anything that's really going to move the needle at least as far as the the Nationals uh, postseason their wild card race hopes etc. But, you know, he is a pretty nice signing for the Nationals. Uh, he can hit the ball. He can be a solid power hitter. Um, and as far as play in the infield, he can he can do that. Again, I don't think it's going to be – he's going to be a major game changer. But, you know, it'll be nice uh, having him available as for some depth. And uh, from my understanding, I believe we have the Mets to thank for this uh, because, you know, he apparently – did want to go back to the Mets, from what I understand, but they, I don't know, some drama went down in the offseason or something like that. But, um, you know, it's nice having him here. Uh, I don't think he'll be a huge, a huge, huge thing, but I think, you know, he is a pretty nice signing for the Nationals. So I'm not disappointed. He should he should be a, a solid pickup for the Nats. All right, Darren. Yeah. I mean, sorry, I meant to say Gerard. <laughs> My fault. <Yeah. laughs> Gerard, go ahead. <laughs> I say, yeah, I'm gonna keep this kind of quick. Um, I think Cabrera is a really good pickup for him. Not a really good, but a solid one. Um, just to have an experienced bat in the lineup is always a good thing. Um, and instead of, you know, Soto going down for a game or two or maybe even a series, it helps to have that um, ready for you, especially with, you know, the Nats trying to make a playoff push and you still don't know what's going on with Zimmerman. So, Having a guy like that ready for you um, to come in and try to add some offense to uh, try to keep the offense up for your team is always a good thing. All right, all right. Now, real quick, um, Sean Doolittle, he hasn't been pitching well. Uh, do you think, and I'll start with you, Gerard, do you think it has anything to do with him just being overworked early in the season and now we're coming to the last third of the season and now he may be running out of gas or it's just just Sean Doolittle being Sean Doolittle I think that has a I think that plays a part into it you know progressive progressive fatigue is a thing and you know he's a reliever for a reason you know he doesn't have the standard that a starting pitcher might have as far as his arm and his uh, endurance goes and so maybe you know him having to carry the entire bullpen for, you know, the entire summer starting to really catch up with us and it was Sean Doolittle himself. And so maybe that's playing a part into it, but it, it gets to a point where the pitching manager and uh, David Martinez has to just manage him better, adjust his training, getting him some flexibility to try to alleviate some of the stress he received from having too many uh, innings thrown um, at this point in the season. If you, if 
you have to put him on the um, DL for a little bit just to get him some uh, mandated rest. Now, that might be something you have to do, but I think it's something that needs to be corrected right now. All right, what about yeah, you? I, uh, I, ho- I wholly agree with that um, 100%. In fact, it's exactly what I was going to say. Uh, especially about the, the progressive fatigue. It is a real thing, and I think that they do um, need to get him some rest. I think it, it does definitely add up. Um, so, yeah, he's, like you said, he's a relief He he's a relief for a reason. And, you know, when he needs to come out, when he needs to be given rest, I think that, uh, you know, Martinez needs to manage that a little bit better uh, as far as giving him rest and, and making sure that, that he's able to recover and get healthy so that he's not completely um, worn down. So, yeah, I, I definitely think that, that fatigue is, is, playing, is playing a factor um, as far as his performance goes. All right, let's now move on to the Maryland Terrapins football team. This is the first time we're going to actually talk about the Maryland Terrapins on this podcast. Uh, regular season is about to start in less than a month, and there's a new head coach, Mike Loxley. He was the offensive coordinator for the Alabama Crimson Tide for the last few years. I'll start with you, Darren. Do you think... Coach Loxley is going to be a good head coach for the Maryland Terrapins. Yeah, i I think he'll be a nice. Uh, I think he'll be a nice, solid head coach, at least uh, in the long run. Uh, with him, with him in implementing uh, the spread offense from Alabama, I think that'll be definitely solid. Um, I think that it'll probably take some some adjusting, some getting used to, which is why I don't think it'll be it'll necessarily be an immediate like you know big uh, thing that's going to immediately uh, push the Terps you know sort of over the hill. But I think over time, you know, as he gets comfortable and as the players you know can get used to this this offense, I think. It, it's definitely a, a good hire for Maryland, and I think I will really be looking forward to seeing how he implements this offense and how he brings what he did uh, at Alabama, you know, over to Maryland. So, you know, if he can, if he can get the get the players to buy in, and you know, if he can, you know get the playmakers to get the ball in the right place, and everything happens, then you know it should be fun to watch. Uh, Terps football this this season so yeah um i definitely think it'll be good especially with you know uh the rpo and you know the ability to really confuse defenses and sort of keep them guessing i think that'll be a very good thing for the Terps this season so i'm absolutely uh looking forward to it and i'm absolutely behind uh this uh the hire of uh, loxley for maryland I'm definitely behind it. I like what he could possibly bring to the Terps. Uh, I think that in the Big Ten, it's a very, very tough football conference. Uh, second, probably only to the SEC as far as uh, toughness and maybe even a little bit more evenly distri- uh, distributed as far as talent from top to bottom as far as the Big Ten goes. I think uh, – the new head coach, I think he's really going to bring an element of offensive firepower to the team that is needed for a school like Maryland, who isn't necessarily a football school, so they might not be able to get the elite uh, five-star uh, skill positions, but they have uh, still a really good recruiting class uh, most years, and they have a lot of talent, and so it's just a matter of expressing that talent and getting them um, and getting them in positions to succeed. Uh, I think one thing he's going to bring to the team is more of a spread uh, offense, more of a college-style offense, where Mert Turks have been running traditional pro-style offenses, which is very uh, popular or very common with the Big Ten. But Maryland can't win trying to play football like Penn State, Michigan, and Michigan State and schools like those. Play. We just won't ever have the type of talent to really compete at that level. So we got to try to do something different to get them in position to succeed. And so I like what I like what he could bring. I like the changes and the and the 
changes that he's already shown a little bit of in training camp that some beat reporters are talking about now. It's a very good move for Maryland. I think they'll have the better, a be, the best season they've had in a long time. So coming season, I think it will surprise a lot of people. Now, since you all are both very high on Coach Loxley, uh, how many years would it have to take for him to get this this program competitive in the Big Ten for Big Ten championships? Ooh. Big Big Ten championships. Yep, Big Ten championship competitive. Ooh. Either either we're Ooh. either we're in the Big Ten game, or we might have missed out on one game, and that's why we're not one of the representatives. But at least we're competitive going late into the season, and possibly getting to a Big Ten championship game. I mean, but I could I can start it off if you want to, Darren. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't. I just don't know if that will ever be the case. Uh, will this team be a bowl team? Will they be, you know, competitive in a couple of years? I honestly feel that they will be. I honestly feel that they can have that type of success. But the way the Big Ten is set up, where to compete for the Big Ten championship, you have to be the champion of your division in the Big Ten. And we are in the toughest division in the Big Ten. You know, we're in the same – we're the Big Ten East, so that's the same division as Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan State, Penn State. And, you know, so those, those are perennial powerhouse teams. And so you have to get past them just to be able to line up against a Wisconsin or a Purdue or a team like that that's – going to be in the Big Ten West. So I don't know if the – I don't know if Maryland will ever get to that point. I think the best – I think a school they can model themselves after somewhat would be like a team like Tennessee that is a good football school or a good school – a good sports school in general has competitive – T- football teams could put together really talented teams, but just happens to play in a very talented conference. And so they'll lose. Maryland might lose 2017 to uh, Michigan, or they might lose 35-31 to Michigan State, or whatever the case might be, and have, you know, be better than most teams that might be in the Pac-12 or the Big 12 that are supposed that have, you know, eight and four records. Maryland might be sitting there at six and six. And so it might be tough for Maryland to get to that point of being a contender because they're not a football school. I don't think they ever will be. They'll always be a basketball school. So I just don't think they'll ever get to that point of being a, you know, there's very few, there's, I'm trying to think of a school that is a legitimate powerhouse in both football and basketball. And it's, it's a very small, it's a very, very small little cross section of schools like Florida. And, um, you know, at one point you could have said like Texas, um, uh, in schools like that. It's a very small a number of schools who are like that. I think Maryland is just, a basketball school who could put together a, a plus 500 football team three out of every five years. What about you, Darren? What do you think about that? <laughs> I, yeah, I think it's going to be, ooh, I, I think it's going to be a pretty long while before Maryland is truly competitive. If they ever really are. I think that, I think that Maryland football can be um, more exciting to watch under under Loxley. I yeah, that's that's for sure. Um, I don't think that necessarily is going to lead to being truly competitive, um, especially in the Big Ten East. I I don't see that happening, at least not anytime soon. But it, it will be more exciting to to watch uh, Maryland football um, with his system, but. As far as truly being competitive, I think it's hard to really say that that they'll uh, they can really make be competitive and make a make a deep run even with the even with the hire of Loxley to to you know implement you know the new system for Maryland. Uh, 
yeah, I I just don't see it happening anytime soon. Maybe somewhere down the road, and uh, I I'm gonna say I'm gonna say not probably not in this next not no not in these next few years or so. I don't see that happening. It's, it's it yeah. it de- it it depends if let's say in twenty. 21, Maryland goes undefeated and out of conference play. Let's say they beat up on some small local school like uh, Howard or uh, Hampton or something. I don't know. And then play a school like from the Pac-12. Let's say they play Washington or they play a team like Syracuse or something like that. And they start. They get three wins out of conference, and so they play teams like Iowa and Purdue and Northwestern, and they get a steal against Penn State at home or something like that. It end up something like seven and five, eight and four, and you know try to sneak their way in. I can see that happening. It's not unfathomable. I can see it happening for the uh, Terps. It's just is it, it's just. I, I wish they stayed in the ACC. I, if they would have been maybe the best football team in the ACC if they, you know, stayed there. But they followed the money and they went to the Big Ten, and so this is the this is what we're gonna have to deal with. All right, let's now get to our final topic for this episode. It has to deal with the Washington Wizards. The regular season. Schedule has been released, so we know every single game that's happening so far this year. The Washington Wizards have a very tough schedule in the very beginning. Um, and I'm going to – let's just go through the first 10 games. We have on the road Wednesday, October 23rd at the Dallas Mavericks. Then October 25th at the Oklahoma City Thunder. October 26th at San Antonio Spurs. Then October 30th is the home opener against the Houston Rockets. So that's the first four games. Then we have home for, home for the Timberwolves, home for the Pistons, on the road for the Pacers, home for the, Cel- uh, for the Cavaliers, on the road for the Celtics, and on the road for the Timberwolves again. Start with you, Derek. Those first 10 games, how many of those games do they have to win just to be competitive for the rest of the season? They need to go at least 5-5 five and five for those first 10 games. Will they go 5-5 five and five for the first 10 games? No. I, I, I highly doubt it. I'm looking at this. I'm looking at the schedule. I already see immediately possibly an 0 and 4 start to the season which is which is not good. So at Dallas, you know, Gerard and I were talking about this before before the show started, but you know, the Wizards don't play well in Texas and they've got two Texas games right off the bat. They've got at Dallas um, and then later on they have at San Antonio still on still on the road. In between those, they've got uh, at Oklahoma City and the Wizards in general, they just don't play well in Oklahoma City. They actually just got their first win in Oklahoma City this past season, um, which was their first win since the Supersonics moved to OKC, which is a huge deal. It's also, this is a fun fact, it's the first time since the 83-84 Bullets that the Wizards have actually started the season with three road games before coming home. Yeah, real quick, I don't mean to cut you off, but we got to figure out what's happening at the Capital One Arena that we couldn't get. (laughs) At least one of our home games in the first week. But yeah, continue, Derek. Yeah, no, it's it. Well, it, I mean, it's it's interesting because what what usually happens is usually when the season starts, the this the Capital One Arena is usually not available for the first couple of games. But then when the NBA started, you know, starting the season a little bit earlier, they started starting it in like mid October. So Capital One Arena started being available for the first few games. Now they've pushed back the start date, so I Capital One Arena is once again 
Yeah, so now, once again, Capital Arena is... But it's sort of like that weird in-between where it's not mid-October where Capital One is, Arena was available, but it wasn't, like, late October where you just have, like, the first two games on the road or the first game on the road, and then they have their home opener. Um, so they've got three games, and they're, they're three... Western Conference games to start the season, which is also not good, because what have we been saying, you know, the Wizards' greatest benefit is that they're in the East, so at least, at the very least, that should provide some comfort, but then, you look at it, their first five games are all against Western Conference opponents, you know, you've got Dallas, you've got OKC, you've got San Antonio, you've got the home opener at Houston, uh, or uh, against Houston at home, um, and then Minnesota, uh, they're hosting at home, but again, that could very well be a game that's, you know, possibly winnable, but possibly not because, you know, we also don't really... Minnesota is not going to be a contending team, obviously, but they could be a... a they could easily give this Wizards team that we don't know what it's going to look like, you know, some problems. So right there, that's possibly uh, an 0-5 start or at best a 1-4 start. Detroit, Detroit's going to be what they are. Indiana will be fine. I think that, you know, Indiana, Pacers, Wizards games are always interesting because they honestly really could go either way, especially with Oladipo still out. Um, Cleveland should be, theoretically, the Wizards should win the game. Um, another fun fact of the season, you know, the Wizards national TV games have dropped. They've got one national TV game against the Cavaliers of all of all teams this year on ESPN. Um, it's one of those 7.30 start times uh, that they've got this year. And my reasoning between that is probably just to feature, you know, the lottery picks, you know. So they're featuring, you know, Darius Garland and uh, Rui Hachimura. Um, and, you know, just it's, it's basically just like a... a a lottery pick feature game. That's all I can imagine. Because normally that's not the type of game that you would put on ESPN in like that prime slot that you expect everybody to be watching. But I think it's one of those games that's late enough in the season where it's just sort of a, you know, an obligation filler sort of. And they could get more NBA TV games as national TV games, but I don't really count that because that's still kind of subscription. Um, so, but when I look at this, when I look at this schedule, the Wizards are going to be tested very, very early. That's a lot of Western Conference teams and a lot of playoff teams that they've got to face right off the bat. And then uh, if you look at March, so let's fast forward to March. They've got a bunch of games to close out the season against teams that are expected to be playoff teams. So they've got, you know, uh, March 1st at Golden State, right off the bat. Uh, they've got March 4th at Portland. Uh, March 13th versus Boston. March 15th versus OKC. March 16th versus Philadelphia. Brooklyn, uh, Milwaukee, Boston, uh, Milwaukee again, the Lakers. These are all teams that they're going to see in the month of March. Um, and that's that pivotal stretch where you need to really win games if you want to have any postseason aspirations. Not saying that we really expect the Wizards to have any postseason aspirations, but, you know, there are going to be some ugly losses, potentially ugly losses, early in the season and late in the season. So um, if I'm a Wizards fan, which I am, a very hardcore Wizards fan, I'm not... If I had any optimism about this season, it has quickly dropped after seeing the schedule release. Jerron, how many games do the Wizards have to win in that 10-game stretch to at least remain competitive for the rest of the season, especially knowing what we know where the schedule gets tougher later in the season, especially in that month of March, like Darren uh, explained earlier? I am going to say they need to go kind of similar to what Darren said, 5-5. Five and five. I just don't see it happening those first 10 games. Um, they're really tough. They play a lot of tough teams, not only competitive teams, but teams that they are historically bad against in those first 10 games. And Excuse me. So I just don't see it happening. I'm looking at it as teams say, all right, who, who are the toss-up games? You know, Timberwolves are a toss-up game. Luckily, we have that team at home. Um, Pistons toss up. We should be, we should get them at home, but who knows what it was going to look like? I don't like us against 
Indianapolis, Indiana in um, Indianapolis. I don't like that matchup. Cavaliers, we should beat at home. Celtics in Boston is a tough uh, matchup. Uh, I kind of like our odds because I'm not that high on that Boston team, but they're still a very talented team who has a bit more of a um, connected core than what the Wizards have at this moment. Uh, Timberwolves in Minnesota, uh, I said uh, we probably split that one with them, probably beat them here, lose to them there. Uh, or, even vice we, or vice I versa. See, I could see the opposite happening too. Well, either way, either way, yeah. like I say, one to one. So that leaves us at like three and seven or something like that in the first 10 games if you just go chalk uh, across the board. So there has to be. So you're looking for two to three upsets for the Wizards in the first 10 games. It's going to be tough to do. Also, you guys mentioned uh, what you wonder what's happening at Capital One Arena that we don't have a game into, until week one, I mean, until the second week. And my initial thought was, well, it must be the Capitals. They must have their home stretches that are going on during that week. So that's why we're not – our Wizards aren't playing but no the capitals are on the road too for that same stretch for like the 20th until like the 30 27th they're on a like a three or four game road streak uh three or four game road trip like so what's going on at capital one it, it's the international horse show <laughs> that is happening at the capital that's, one arena that, that's what that's what oh, it is yes. it's always it's, it's always, always it's, yeah it's always <laughs> every yeah every year that's what it is that's why the capital one arena isn't available during yeah, that time, a and the funny thing is, the funny thing is, I did go online and I went on the Capital One Arena event page, and it actually doesn't even have it on there. But I mean, that does make sense. It is always around that time that they do come to Washington D.C. I honestly thought it might have been for the continued, I guess, updates to the new seating arrangement down on the floor, because you know there's going to be like a. Yeah, almost like a, be like a lounge a, a, club area, yeah, a bar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I thought it was going to be that. They were just going to be trying to make sure all that is in place and all that. But yeah, that makes sense that it might be the or it is the international horse show that does come in around this time of the year. All right, you yeah. all. That will do it for us here at DMV Dispute. Hopefully, you all enjoyed the show. And if you did, subscribe to us wherever podcasts are available and leave us a review so we can grow on the charts. You can find us on Twitter at DMV Dispute. I am at JSquared021. Darren, where can they find you on Twitter? I am at DBirdHoops. That's D-B-I-R-D Hoops on Twitter. All right. What about you, Jerron? And they can find me on Twitter at RoddyKG. That's at R-O-D-D-Y-K-G. I have two shout-outs. One is shout-out to Simone Biles for having an amazing yes. historic weekend. This past weekend, not broke not one, but two records or set two history marks over the weekend. So shout-out to her. Also, shout-out to Wayne Rooney for... A lot of uh, great times that he had here playing for DC United, uh, also yep, back yep. over the pond. So, um, thank you, Wayne, for the time spent here in DC. Uh, we appreciate it, and best of luck to you. All right, don't forget to check out DMVSportsNetwork.com. Follow them on Instagram and Twitter at DMV underscore SN. And if you want to join the team, contact them via Twitter, the website, or shoot them an email at dmvsportsnetwork at outlook.com. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we'll talk to you all next week. Peace. Peace out. Peace, guys. Thank you.